and welcome to episode 21 of Great Quarter Guys, where finance meets the freight industry. And I'm Kevin Hill, and as always, I'm here with... Mr. Andrew Cox. Glad to be back, Kevin. I missed last week because I was uh, in a p- potential quarantine situation, but it turned out that you uh, were, the yes. guy I was with that does not have the coronavirus. Yeah, so, so basically it's one of those new new facts of life, right? We always have to be careful about about everything, yeah, I think you Watch made a good hands. point earlier about how I think by the end of this, every one of us will have known at least someone, if not everyone, everyone yeah. we know gets this. It will at least know someone uh, that has contracted this. We definitely will. Yeah, I, I think I think that is a given. It's just a matter of um, uh, of the cycle, and um, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're all uh, we all know it's it's an uphill battle right now, and uh, the, the economy is certainly showing that that it's up uphill battle right now. And, you know, the, the markets have been a little wild, you know, a little bit wild this month. In, in March, I think we were down 37 or, or almost 40 percent month to date. Just in March until uh, today, and as we're filming, we have TVs all around up here in the upstairs studio. And it looks like the, uh, the Dow Jones is up about 7.35 percent. Yeah, I think the best way to I need glasses, just kind of wrap your head around it is just <clears throat> just what was it? Seven weeks ago, we were we were 500 points in the Dow, away from 30,000. We were, yeah. And as of yesterday, we were under 20,000. So that gives you just a gross idea of, of how bad that it got so quickly. I know, and and the, the volatility the last couple of days has been kind of hinged on the bailout package, uh, or not really a bailout. It's more of a stimulus package. Stimulus, I hate yeah. to call it a bailout package. Yeah, it'll likely include um, some sort of bailout for some industries, but for, it, for it, some it industries is a stimulus, and yeah. individuals, and it's it's more of a stimulus bill uh, certainly than 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 what what you saw back. Back in you know the TARP funds and and really a, a bailout for the banks, so that that is that is really an important distinction on that. I agree, and yeah. you know we can jump right into. I actually did a deep dive this weekend. Yeah, let's where, talk about your deep dive. We're going to sure. talk about your deep dive, and then we're going to have Peter Rinsler from Carrier Direct on, and we're going to talk about FedEx and XPO. Yep. Uh, both of them are final mile e-commerce kind of players, kind of going in in the same direction in different ways. Uh, and, and basically strategic alternatives, kind of off the shelf on that. And then we'll talk a little bit about credit risk because uh, the economy right now, uh, whether you're a freight brokerage or a trucking company uh, or even a shipper, right, you, you have to be aware of counterparty risk because there's some, some large bills that might not get paid. Right, Zach? And um, so that's so what we're going to talk about like that. But your deep dive. On Wednesday, you told me that I want to do this deep dive and I said, you know what? I don't know if we can go that far. I, I don't know. And by Friday, it was like, oh, yeah, certainly go do it. And by Monday, by the time we put it on FreightWaves.com, the, the number you were going off wasn't even the high number. I know. It's, you know, I was telling you earlier that these last two weeks have been the, the longest and craziest two weeks of my life for sure. Yes. You know, the middle of last week, I was we thinking. three um, years in the last two oh, weeks. at least. I yes. think a decade or so. Um, <laughs> But I was thinking about what gray hair Treasury. I already have it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was. I was thinking about what Treasury Secretary Mnuchin said. I think it was last Tuesday. He had a meeting with Republican senators in which he was just trying to convince them uh, of the need for fiscal stimulus that that's going to be that is in need right now. And what he said is that he thought, by his estimates, that we would reach 20% unemployment if significant fiscal action wasn't taken. And he didn't say that he, he never said that he was going to release his actual model for which he got to that number. So I said, you know what? Let's go ahead and model 
mm-hmm. what that would look like. Could we even reach 20% uh, based on the, the estimated declines in GDP and the estimated declines in revenue by industry? And I just kind of took a look at the, the, the industries that are going to be hit the hardest that are already being hit. What are the layoffs going to look like and what does that mean for our economy uh, in two to three months? And what did you what do? And we went off the baseline of twenty percent. So how do we even get to twenty percent unemployment? Because let us go back two weeks, maybe a month. I, I would have no idea how we could ever even assume to get to twenty percent unemployment. Yeah, I mean, right now, you know, for the last few quarters, we've been looking at record low unemployment, three and a half percent. Three and a half percent. This economy has been chugging along. We we'd seemingly every job report that came out, it was just more and more jobs. Mm-hmm. Everybody was, you know, something would come out. We're expecting 165,000 jobs and 275 come out, this pop-off number. So this economy has been extremely hot. So yeah. I, I agree so, with so, you. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, what were the assumptions you used to go from 3.5, which is basically beyond full employment, 3.5 to build a case how it could get to 20% unemployment? Yeah. I thought and, it was a big very jump. short time period, yeah, too. I mean, we're not I'm talking, talking years. Weeks. Yeah. weeks. Yeah. I'm talking eight weeks in this time period that it could happen. And I went off of Goldman Sachs, uh, basically estimates by industry who who was at most risk. You know, they they broke it down into four different risk categories, which was near cancellation and total risk. And there were two industries in here. There was sports and entertainment. Uh, and included in that entertainment is things like museums, things like uh, you know anything group oriented that you would go to for for entertainment, movie theaters, anything of that nature. And then you have major hit, large hit, and limited hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the major hit was a 65% reduction in revenue through April. So here you're looking at public transportation and gambling. And then the large hit companies that they're expecting to hit a uh, 50% hit to revenue through April. And, and now we're looking at hotels, food. Um, domestic services. And I think even that number could be lower because think about the restaurants here in Chattanooga, for example, just to be anecdotal, you know, every one of them is closed down uh, except for those that are doing a little bit of takeout delivery. But even those are, are kind of few and far between right now. And those are two, few and far between and, and basically the revenue and, and basically the, the margins on the takeout that they have to do is, is much lower than having dine-in uh, customers ordering alcohol, which is very high margin or even soft drinks. Yep. Really high margin, high margin food, and um, and having that atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, and I think you're seeing that in every city now. Uh, is certainly bars and restaurants, uh, any kind of concerts, sporting events, is all closed down. Correct. And, you know, you, you've heard the saying in a lot of restaurants, especially those that aren't fine dining, that you pretty much just serve food so that you can sell more alcohol and sell more drinks because that's where your money's at. You, you're looking mm-hmm. at, you know, 200, 300, 4 percent margins on those drinks while you're looking at, you know, 5 and 10 on food. So think about Italian places where you get a bottle of wine. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean that's, that's a lot. You buy a $40 bottle of wine. That costs them six bucks. I know. Right. Yeah. And they're losing out on all that. So, mm-hmm. uh you know, I do think that 50% may be even lowballing, but we went off that number. And then the limited hit is pretty much everything else. We're looking at a, a 20% revenue hit um, through April for things like all the goods, excluding food, nonprofit services, education services, pretty much everything uh, service-related not included uh, with food. Okay. Uh, so using those numbers, we bas- I basically just put some baseline layoff estimates using that uh, decline in revenue because I assume that most of these companies are going to be trying to, to, to bring down costs in line or even at a, at a quicker rate than they are bringing down mm-hmm. rev- that revenues declining. 
So using that thesis, uh, I, put a, I put three different um, exposure level groups together using the NAICS um, industry codes mm -hmm. that the BLS puts together. So we have an extreme exposure level, a high exposure level, and a low exposure. The extreme, I'm estimating 75% layoffs in the short term. And let yeah. me go ahead and state that this is without fiscal stimulus. My, my scenario with fiscal stimulus, it, most of the layoff estimates are cut in half. I do believe mm -hmm. that there, this fiscal stimulus is certainly needed. And... We and it will help curtail some of this uh, some of this drag on the on the economy and and the, the uptick in unemployment. But it's not gonna. It's not I gonna think the numbers have grown since since you started this exercise, right? Yes. The, the amount it's, it's it depends on what what amount you go by the house amount, the senate amount, negotiated amount. Who knows? But it could be almost double what. What you yeah, you had you had well, one point two trillion right Is it, that it what, could end yeah. up being upwards of two you know we don't know yet there hasn't been a bill passed I you know I'm not here to speculate what they will end up passing because nobody even knows at this point um, but either way in those three exposure groups you know in my extreme level uh, the seventy five percent layoff I'm looking at air transportation so airlines and oil and gas. Uh, and, you know, the oil and gas industry there, um, I put them in that extreme exposure group, not only because of the effects of COVID, but because of this oil price war that the Saudis and the Russians are mm -hmm. in. The commodity prices are so low that they're just not going to be able to keep people on the staff, uh, nor are they going to be drilling any new wells with this with commodity prices so low. So they're in the extreme. Uh, the high group is where the, the vast majority of the, the exposure is. And and these are massive industries. That's a, that's a big thing about the way that COVID and these lockdowns are affecting us is that mm -hmm. the top two, retail and food services together, uh, accumulate almost 30 million people in the U.S. And most of these people are completely out of work right now. They've, they've either been furloughed or outright laid off. So this is why I think you're, gonna, you're really going to see an uptick in... Uh, in unemployment rate, you know, we talked about that Goldman Sachs uh, estimate of of weekly jobless claims, and they're not the only ones that are expecting yeah. upwards of two million come Thursday. I, I think that's almost the consensus now. So, so basically, Goldman was the first one that I saw out, and that was sometime Friday afternoon. As you'd already written the paper, basically, by the time that that hit the hit, I, I saw it on Bloomberg, I think. And, you know, 2.3 million, which, I mean, basically, so, so week over week, jobless claims, which comes out every Thursday, and it's basically unemployment claims. So basically, week over week to, to last week, it jumped 30% to, to yeah, 280,000. Yeah, 270, 280. This week is the consensus is that it's going to be up nine times, 900%. Yeah, it's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen in, in not only modern history, but any history since mm -hmm. the Great Depression. You know, we, we've that that one chart uh, that was on Bloomberg, it kind of gave a look at 30 years or 30 or 40 years of, of weekly jobless claims where you see this band between uh, 250 and 500,000 jobless claims. I think weekly jobless claims only got up to like 600,000 or so uh, during at the, the Great peak, Recession. At the peak of the Great Recession, 600,000. So, I mean, on Thursday, it could be two point, it could be over three times what the peak was in the Great Recession. And if you get a chance, you certainly go to fruitwaves.com and what was the title? Of uh, the it? title is "Could We Reach 20% Unemployment in 2020?" Yeah, look at the article, and and certainly, and I don't think the graphs in there, but we'll we'll, we'll throw we'll the graphs somewhere. Media or something. Yeah, we'll release on social media because it was the scariest graph I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was like literally, it went down, and it was just a straight line up, perpendicular. Yeah, yeah, off the, off the chart of the map. Yeah, it I was. mean, basically, yeah. So. Uh, and, and so basically, you know, when, when we look at these industries that are going to be affected at 75% for the extreme, 50% for the high, and 10% for the low, this 10% was manufacturing, uh, transportation excluding air. So this is when we're seeing these brokers and, and drivers being laid off right now. That's in the 10%, mm -hmm. the low exposure, and then warehousing and mining. 
you know, we're actually seeing the opposite in warehousing right now for, for at least some of the big guys for where, for Walmart and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Amazon, we've seen them together. They're expected to, to hire a quarter million people. Um, but you got to think about those other goods that aren't being bought, the big ticket items, uh, of the warehouse, you know, things, anything be- that this, uh, discretionary, non-necessary is the, the demand has hit a brick wall and I don't know how we get out of that, um, but, you know, our, the two companies that we're going to look at are heavily into to e-commerce, into that, certainly, I guess, neither of them work with Amazon for, for two different reasons. Uh, so, so they don't comprise, uh, Amazon's not their customer, but they're, they're heavily into to e-commerce and, and the Walmarts and the other big box retailers, which um, when you are under shut-ins or self-quarantining, uh, e-commerce becomes a, a big deal. Yeah, it becomes the only option. I'm I'm going to talk to uh, to Zach and Anthony later on on, mm-hmm. on Freightonomics either today or tomorrow about uh, about the impact of sentiment this is going to have. And you know, we we can talk about economic recovery. We can talk about how we're going to get people back to work, whether it's in two weeks, two months, or a year from now. The big problem for me is that people's people's sentiment for for one going to public gatherings and and two buying big ticket items. There's so many things that people are going to be so reluctant to do moving forward that I I don't I don't think this economic recovery is going to be this V shape that that people are expecting. No, you know I mean, and I, I grew up. My grandparents were the, the kids who grew up in the Great Depression, who went out and fought fought and sacrificed World War II, and it made up them for the rest of their lives, right? They were, um, for better or worse, a lot of times, they were um, impacted and, I won't say scarred, but, uh, you know, they carried that, that attitude with them for the rest of their lives, and I think that uh, there's a very good chance that... You think the coronavirus will have some sort of, the, the, the type of impact generationally that, uh, like a great, like a world war had? It very well could. It very, wow. very well could. We, we don't know what's going to happen from here. Um, but cer- certainly if, if we don't get it in check, it, it really, I mean, it could. I think there's a point to jump on there that you just said, uh, that we, you know, we don't know what's coming. And I think that's something that a lot of people aren't admitting right now. They're, they're putting these, these economic estimates out or these health, the health estimates we'll leave out, but we're looking at yeah. economic estimates, whether it be unemployment or hit to GDP. There's so much uncertainty that we're seeing these wide ranging, um, estimates that people don't really know. So I think every, well, you, you, every estimate you read needs to be taken with a, with a big grain of salt. Oh right yeah, now. definitely. And this is a true black swan event. I mean, it's a true black swan event. So basically, you cannot predict what's going to happen in three months, six months, nine months, three days based on historical norms or averages or anything. It's a a brand new world. Uh, You know, basically, they used to joke during the Great Recession, you know, this is a a one in 10,000 year event and it keeps on happening every 15 minutes, you know, uh, with Bayesian uh, statistics. Uh, So basically... Uh, there, there's no predicting what will happen. You know, we were talking, you, you said it earlier, so much has happened in the last two weeks. I mean, we've put a decade in the last two weeks. So it's, it's, um, it's just going to be hard to predict. Yeah, certainly. So you let's, wanna, we'll put, yeah. let's put a bow yeah, on yeah. this. Yeah, uh, put a bow on, on it. Deep dial rinse Yeah, go ahead and, and call Peter. So uh, when it came down to it, when I when I finished up my modeling, I didn't quite get to that twenty percent unemployment. That's why I do believe there's a little bit of the the fear that came uh, from Mnuchin when he was telling these Republican senators. I do think that his number was probably near twenty, but I think he probably gave it around twenty well, uh, to, to stroke a little bit of fear into Republican senators. But, uh, th- but then again, you saw Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan and a lot of investment and banks. 
and and uh, Fed Chair Bullard, I think of yeah. Oklahoma City or, or uh, St. Louis, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't one know. Of, one of the one of the central uh, yeah. federal bank chairs. He he stated that he's expecting thirty percent unemployment. Yeah, thirty percent so, unemployment. You know, my so, fifteen doesn't seem all that uh, unachievable. It doesn't. And I don't know if we have a long short on unemployment in I do. April. We, we got a little. Okay, something. then then I'll, I'll wait. We'll hold off on. I'll the, wait uh, and I'll wait on, on that. that. Yes. But, well, while we're while we're waiting, I call. Um, Peter, I'll go ahead and lead in a little bit about FedEx. You know, FedEx had announced earnings last week. Uh, they missed slightly on, on revenue and earnings, but uh, overall, the, the market sentiment for FedEx has, has turned in the last couple of weeks. We've, uh, we've seen their, their stock got absolutely crushed for the last three or four months, uh, but in the last two weeks or so, they're, they're back up 20%. They had fallen all the way uh, and come back down. Do we have Peter on? I'm not, I'm not sure. Peter, are you there? I'm not sure we're here in Peter. Here we go. Uh, Kevin and I always talk about live podcasting. Uh, We've got to walk, walk through the kinks here. It's always an adventure. Um, but let's. Uh, I'll jump into a little bit of why kind of the, the market has begun treating FedEx the way that they had treated them for 15 years. FedEx was always kind of the blue chip uh, stock of the industry, uh, of, of transportation. Everybody looked at them as the industry leader. And the, people are starting to kind of think that that mojo might be back. And, and some of those reasons are... They've really gone all in on e-commerce, where they had kind of been avoiding e-commerce uh, for the most, for some part uh, of their of their supply chains. They would go as far as dropping it off at the at the local post office so that USPS could figure up. Do we got them? I don't know, Peter. Are you there? Well, uh, right. So they would they would go as far as to drop it at the local post office so the USPS could you know uh, drop that last mile package off, which is typically a less profitable sector, uh, a less profitable part of the move. But now, with with the help of a new marketing executive that they had uh, brought, that he's been there for a long time, but they've kind of moved him as to be the successor to uh, to Fred Smith and the current CEO. He has kind of completely shifted focus and strategy to full-on e-commerce, um, and they've done this all the while. They've completely cut ties with Amazon, so it's a it's a focus on e-commerce. They're making the the Shopify or the little the the little um, the little guy bet rather than partnering with Amazon, which owns forty percent of the e-commerce demand. Yeah, they're, they're exactly right. And they're they're building uh, more ties into Walmart, and and big box, but but definitely Shopify is a, a really good target to go after. I, th- I think basically they have, um, I, I think it's it's projected to be about seventy or eighty billion in in e-commerce sales, or at least their subscribers have seventy or eighty billion in uh, e-commerce sales for uh, two thousand nineteen. Uh, we just finished up that year, uh, so. It'd be really good partner, you know. Basically, since since Shopify is expanding into the distribution part of it, to have really small businesses that were hurting right now because of the, the coronavirus, uh, be able to to offer those same delivery type of options as you get with Amazon. And there's a there's a couple other points of strategy that they're making changes. One, which happened in the last couple of months, is that they they finally started running on Sundays. They opened up all seven days uh, of, of operations, which is a help for e-commerce play because that you know people can order things 24/7. They're always there's constantly ordering, so they they really needed that seventh day. So they've they've added that, uh, and they've also kind of integrated something that they've gone away from for a long time. They've integrated some FedEx, of the ground right? and yeah. express um, express duties. They're, they've kind of packaged that into the final mile for the ground. They'll put some of the express goods on there, which is something investors have been asking for for a long time. It has. It's something that Fred Smith, who's the founder uh, of FedEx, has uh, resisted historically. So he's been resisting this, and, and finally Raj came in 
or he's been there 30 years, so he didn't just come in, but basically he became COO, and and he's the man, as they say, behind the plan. He wrote the plan to, to integrate FedEx Ground and FedEx Express, and to deliver that that type of one solution that you were just describing. Right. And this is one of the reasons that the stock has bounced off the bottom uh, for, for the last couple of weeks. Investors absolutely cheered this move. Uh, they, they're expecting that it can save FedEx hundreds of millions of dollars mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the next couple of years as they continue to integrate this. And, and I think on the flip side to that, too, that they can capture a lot of market share. So they can save costs and, and create and grab a lot of market share out there um, in e-commerce, that's still rapidly growing, and there's no no um, no thought that it still won't grow even uh, through this rough patch right now. Yeah, I mean, this is just uh, this is steroids to the e-commerce uh, uh, to the e-commerce batter right now. I mean, it's going to yes. continue to keep growing them. Um, you know what? You know what, what do you think? What do you think of this FedEx e-commerce strategy? Do you think this is the right move? Do you think they they should have cut? Do you think they the, the cutting ties with Amazon was the right move? Do you think they do they think they're yeah. capable of of building this on their own? Yeah. So so basically, it's a low profit business, Amazon. So you know you don't lose that much except for maybe uh, network effects, keeping your your capacity utilization. They've drawn back some of their capacity too because of this, which um, I guess right now is a, is a plus. Right is to, to shed some capacity to before, some costs, yep. but before you know something a crisis like this happens, um, he seemed pretty confident on Face the Nation. Uh, Fred Smith did, uh, I, I believe he was on there Sunday. He was pretty confident that that they wouldn't accept any of the eight billion dollars that's uh, available for uh, air cargo. Um, there's fifty billion for the, the airlines, passenger airlines. I think eight billion for for air cargo. So he's pretty. Pretty confident that he would not be, he would, they wouldn't have to touch it. Um, so, so that's good. And and basically on the e-commerce side, you know, business business is where they they've always kind of historically been, uh, but business business isn't really growing, right? It's it's you know it's, it's very slow, mature growth rate. E-commerce is where all the high growth is. So to to grow, FedEx needs to get into e-commerce, and and this is exactly what they should do. Good. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, we we all know that e-commerce is is growing on a multiple of GDP. People are ordering more and more goods online, uh, and and not only the the traditional goods like we had done uh, at one things, whether it be bigger items, they're now getting into the the smallest of items. People are ordering toothpaste from Amazon, mm-hmm. and and that being it alone. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we they have to get into e-commerce if they're expected to to continue being you know a blue chip powerhouse in this industry. All right, very good. Before we go to XPO, I don't think we have the the Bluetooth set up yet. Peter, are you there? Can you? Online. Oh, uh, hello. Yikes! Yikes! Uh, yeah, you're here. You're here. You're you're coming in loud and clear here in the studio. How are you doing today, Peter? You there, Peter? Well, we had him for a second. All right. Well, thanks. Maybe thanks for sticking with us, guys. We we are working through some kinks. This, this is my first time, at least, doing this uh, outside of the booth. Uh, so we, we're we're rolling with the punches here. Yeah. yeah you're good. Hey, you there, you're Peter? Good. Hello. I. Uh, yeah. Bye. I, if you can hear me, I can't hear you. You can't hear us at all? Peter, can you hear us now? Well, all right. All right. So you wanna, let's just roll with the yeah, punches let's roll here. with the jump right into XBO. We, we'd spoken yeah. a lot of the past couple months about XBO because, you know, of the incredible story that it had been as a roll-up, uh, as a roll-up play in, in so many different little sublets of the industry mm-hmm. because, they're, you know, that's what Brad Jacobs does. He, yeah. He's a roll-up guy. Started in about 2011, 2012 with a $150 million investment. And 
as you said, he started rolling things out. In 10 years, he made it, you know, a multi-billion dollar yeah, 17 acquisitions. Into, you know, entity. Yeah, 17 acquisitions. Uh, at one point this year, I think it was $9 billion market cap. It might have, uh, might have. Yeah, it's been it's, half it's been a, since. A, over the last 12 months, it's just been a wild ride for, for XPO. Yeah, it really has. I mean, and uh, and on top of that, they, you know, they they thought they weren't getting the multiple that they deserved. Um, they had, you know, they have so many different business units that, you know, and we like a we and Wall Street and everyone likes a simple story. They they like a, a company that does one thing and they do it really well and they don't really have to worry about you know other things in their business. But that's not the deal with the XPO. They do a lot of things really well, and because of that, mm-hmm. uh, because that it's a little bit of a, a more difficult story to digest. Investors haven't given them the multiple that they probably deserve. Yeah, the the, the you know and, and Brad Jacobs, who's uh, the founder and CEO uh, of XPO has uh, often complained, and he complained, um, or he stated, he stated his opinion on the, this last earnings call. I think um, in, in mid-January uh, was their, their last earnings report that, that they came out with with Q4 earnings, and basically uh, the gist of it was that they're getting valued. They're, you know, they're not getting the multiple that they want. They're getting multiple like a conglomerate and not pure play with four or five really good businesses. Sure. So basically, that was his strategic alternative to drive shareholder value. Uh, if, if the market wasn't going to give them the multiple that they deserve, they would sell off these different businesses, which truck brokerage being one, logistics and warehousing, uh, the LTL business that they were going to they were going to keep. So you had domestic truckload brokerage, domestic warehousing, logistics. You had European logistics, and that was uh, the, the game plan as of. Like mid January, and we yeah. wrote a, a passport research thing. We all jumped yeah, we, in together we gamed, and we gamed off uh, what what the the XPO spinoff would look like. Yeah, the four out of the five business units they were looking to to, to sell off. Um, but as of last week, or as of this week, uh, Brad Jacobs has walked that back, and they've said that they're no longer going to you know to go after those uh, strategic divestments. Yeah. So uh, so so basically, about a year ago, it was right before our our Freightways conference back in May, right? They were trading around forty ish. $40 a share. Um, it really, the stock had taken a really big hit because of a, a short seller report that came out. Yeah, a and pretty it really, poorly it really founded. Poorly founded yeah. uh, uh, short seller report that, that knocked the stock down. So you had um, a depressed stock value at that point. It ran up all summer, all fall. Yep. You get to uh, to January, I think it was around January 15th, They came. Brad Jacobs came out on um, Kramer. Jim Cramer, and said that they we're going to do strategic alternatives. We're going to pursue strategic alternatives, and part of that will be spinning off one or everything we have. We're going to keep the LTL. Mm-hmm. We don't, we're not getting the multiple that we deserve. Shot up to just shy of $100. Correct. Right? And this was just uh, a month ago, actually. It was February 20th or 21st. Uh, and right now, after the month we've had, it's uh, in the low 40s again. Correct, and, and, and we had it valued at 125 as a sum of the parts. And that did, was, yeah, and that was our baseline, uh, our baseline model there. You know, back, uh, Brad Jacobs has has always been a man of uh, of rebuying stock as well. He back when uh, when XPO was in the 40s, 50s, mm-hmm. and 60s, he uh, as the company repurchased 25 percent of their stock uh, when it was in the 60s. Now that it's in the 40s, and they've now gone away from this strategic alternative uh, idea that they're going to sell off. Do you think that XPO begun, begins a you know a massive buyback plan? I think so. You know, and, and part of this was uh, was the last week or the week before they bought uh, a majority share of a Kuninagel, a logistics company in the UK, which was kind of strange if you're trying to spin off 
logistics uh, yeah, business. Logistics, why you, yep. you know, and right now you're not going to get a deal done. There's no way to value. And so, so basically, one of the we wanted to have Peter on this week, last week, and, and JT as well to talk about how do you value your trucking business. But right. you can't value anything right now. The no, evaluation. We'll, we'll, we'll save that idea for one when we're all back in the office, and two, everything is semi back to normal. It, it may be September you can by value the time something, we have right? that. But so, so you can't we'll do a deal that. right now. So there's no reason to even pursue a, a strategic alternative. Uh, but but with that said, they they bought back twenty five percent of their shares last year, twenty nineteen. They were aggressively buying shares last uh, last year. They bought back twenty five percent of the share. So I think they're going to be aggressive again this year. Uh, maybe not quite as aggressive as as, as twenty nineteen, but you know at forty dollars, I'd be aggressive if I was Brad Jacobs. I'd be a a uh, aggressive share back buyer. Yeah, I mean, Brett, Brett Jacobs has proven that he's got two main levers that he can use to to, to rake up that EPS and try to bring the valuation mm-hmm. up. Is one is is rolling up and buying smaller brokerages, whether it be or or LTLs or anything to to try to get some more earnings and income onto the balance sheet, or it's with stock buybacks. So I think mm-hmm. I think we're going to see both of those this year. I think even I think they've still got cash on on hand. They've got I think three or four billion right. uh, dollars in cash. I do think we're going to see stock buybacks. Maybe not at the rate of last year, and I also think we—I don't even think that's the last—the uh, last deal we see at least try to get attempted for XBO throughout this year. I think they're—they might try to take advantage of these uh, this wild valuation ride that we're on right now and try to uh, scoop up some some players. I, I think they will too, and and basically we'll see how everything shakes out. The trucking market, uh, you know, movement of goods, especially essentials, doing really well right now. Uh, Sonar, you know, our outbound tender volume index shows a thirty percent year-over-year gain. Or capacity indicator, which is rejections, uh, is I think this morning was 18 percent. Correct. Yeah, it's higher than any point uh, in 2019. In 2019, so higher yeah. than, and it's nearing. You know, the, the the first half of 2018 was a much tighter capacity mm-hmm. scenario than the back half. But if you kind of average out the last six months of our outbound tender rejection index for 2018, we're about that level now. Yeah. So you know, if you're if you're in the industry, try to think back about what it was in the second half of 2018. That's the type of capacity mm-hmm. uh, constraint we have right now. Yeah, and and basically, I don't know where it goes from here. As we said, it's hard to forecast anything or or use any kind of historical uh, data to go forward. But you know, it's it could get it it could sustain this for a few weeks, and it could come back down to a level that is isn't horrific. Yeah, we can right, look, we can know. pivot away a little bit from the, the specific companies to talk about just the overall freight uh, mm-hmm. you know dynamic right now. You and I were talking about how um, you know all of this demand has shifted away from grocery stores and retail, or not away from grocery stores, away from Tour- restaurants right. and and tourism or mm-hmm. uh, or retailers. But somehow these grocery stores and and I guess everything that's still open has been able to pick up demand, uh, at, whether it be at the shelf or the restocking at, at DCs and. You know, like like you said in our app on tender volume index, we're seeing thirty percent year over year uh, gains mm-hmm. in volume. So, when when is this going to stop? Are we going to see uh, are we going to see this volume fall off a cliff anytime soon, or do you think we'll see a gradual bring back to normal levels? You know, I don't know on the 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 second part of that question, or I guess there there wasn't a first part of the yeah, question, but, but what you were, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. But we were, what, your point that you made, you know, are we going to see a shift away? Is is a story that we're working on right now? Uh, Noi Mahoney, one of our our journalists, is is working on that to see if your traditional uh, traditional companies that deliver to restaurants are shifting their focus away because there's you know of course nothing less to, goods going into right. 
to, to the restaurants, so are they going to shift away and, and work the, the traditional lanes of maybe D.C. to uh, to retailer? Right, and that's actually a beautiful thing about owning you know, a trucking business in this environment. Uh, one of the few, few beautiful things yeah. ever about tr- owning a trucking company because it's a difficult market. But isn't that, is it, it's an empty box. And if you need to fill it with different goods that you're not typically moving, if, as long as you have a contact with a shipper or, or a good mm-hmm. broker that can connect you to freight, it's an empty box, and you can move. Uh, you can move things. You can move what, whatever it is. And part of the capacity too. There's uh, FMCSA has uh, basically a waiver right now for right. Um, for authority for hire for private fleets. So we're trying to get a little bit more capacity into the system uh, to to reroute those or to to, to add extra, extra capacity, certainly for the essentials. And we'll see essentials moving through the country. I say, I, I think for at least a couple three months. And that's a good point because, you know, Ravi Shankar, the, uh, the Morgan Stanley analyst, he mentioned that he believes that 60% of truckload demand is tied to consumer staples, to mm-hmm. those essentials, which that number seems a little bit high to me. But in, in either way, I think his thesis is correct and that trucking may actually be okay through all this is because they're moving the goods that have to be moved. They're the, they're the frontline workers here. Yeah, if you check the 60%, and it does sound high to Doesn't me, it? but, you know, if you do take that, then if you're running above above trend on the 60%, then the, the auto plant closures, the um, discretionary products that are usually moved right now, uh, if that falls, you know, 20%, 30%, from there, you kind of even out kinda to where it's, it, yeah. it's not a horrible market for trucking. You know, it's it's not going to be great, but it's not going to be horrible. Yeah, so. I mean, it it not much can get worse than the the, the back half or the, the summer of 2019 <clears throat> where we saw just where we saw volumes not not a high level and we saw just so much capacity so much capacity flooded, yeah. the, ca- flooded yeah. the market. So so even with um, it, it might not be horrible even with um, you know, a Goldman estimate of negative twenty five percent GDP in Q two in Q two. Right. And again, you know, yes. this is back to that, back to the uncertainty in that GDP mm-hmm. number. Like twenty-five percent. You know, th- these are the same. This is the same investment bank that was expecting a negative fifty percent GDP Q1 for China and a plus sixty-five percent Q2. So I mean, these yeah, numbers no. are just so wide-ranging that, again, take everything with a grain of salt. It, it, it will is. be bad. Who knows how bad? And anybody that's trying to really put a hard number on it is it's just guessing at this point. It really is because uh, who came out with the fifty percent? I oh. think it was the St. Louis Fed. So the Fed governor, governors are, are coming out, um, or, or the, the Fed um, chairman, yeah, yeah, the regional well, chairs, the, the, yeah, the regional from the regional branches, right, yeah. are coming out and and kind of throwing out even wilder numbers than the investment banks right now. Thirty percent unemployment. It's like they're everyone's trying to top each other. Yeah, yeah it's an arms can, race to see who can get the biggest uh, headline at this point. Exactly right. It's Mad. just it's a, a maddening world right now. Well, do you want to you want to jump into the the uh, DHL supply chain price power index while we're while we're kind of talking about yeah, uh, the yeah, market a little bit? Yeah, it's kind of a yeah, yeah, yeah It's exactly topical. We, we go. you know, this is um again, this is a weekly index that we put together. We synthesize a lot of our data here at, on Sonar, mm-hmm. uh, and also some economic data that we get from the government. And kind of what we've been talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. OTBI, right. That's, that's why it kind of leads in Fed information, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley. Uh, just whatever we can get our hands on. Yeah, and and you know we do this. Uh, it's a range between one to one hundred. I mean, I'm sorry, zero to one hundred. Zero being all the power to the shippers. One hundred being all the power to the carriers. And you know we we've jumped up. What is it now? Forty points or so in the last two or three weeks. We've seen this just massive panic buying and panic restocking thing that's really shifted a lot of the power to the carriers. Yeah. So so basically we were at twenty five two weeks ago, right? Or 
I think we were. Yeah. Or two turns ago. Yeah, two, yeah two, two turns ago, yeah. right? So basically two weeks. Uh, yeah, we're at 25, and we're more than doubled to 55 now. So basically that balance of power is at 50. 55 puts it over in the carrier's uh, realm. Uh, I think it would probably go higher this week. I agree. Uh, from every indication that we see in sonar, it will go higher this week. It might go higher for the next couple weeks. But what's our three-month number? Because so, we do a three-month forecast. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the three-month number. I've, the three-month number currently, so we'd be looking at, what is it, uh, mid, uh, mid-June mid or mid-July mm-hmm. on the three-month number. And it's, it's back at 40, so uh, almost a balanced market, but some of the power uh, to the shippers. But I'm glad you brought the three-month outlook yeah. up because three months ago, what would it be back at the beginning of January, we put our three-month outlook out for you know the third week of March, and we expected it to be at 50 or at 55. For much different reasons, obviously. I, I know, we, right? we, were, we were expecting we, a normal freight yes. market at you know ten thousand or you know ten five on the capacity OTBI. leaving, now capacity leaving, right? Yes. and we pegged it at fifty five. Yeah, so for much different reasons, capacity has left, capacity has tightened, and volumes have surged to levels. Honestly, I, I never thought I'd see. I, I don't think we'll ever see numbers this high again. Uh, in, in and the and OTBI. you know, because OTVI is an index, so it doesn't move that much. It's not like this highly volatile. Uh, graph that that you'll see, you know, OTRI, which is a rejection index, is pretty volatile. But the index uh, for for volumes isn't isn't very volatile. You don't really see too much volatility because it's an index and it's based on ten thousand. Yeah, I mean, for example, but, but, just look uh, over at the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah, Christmas. Yeah, Christmas you know, where literally blip. everything everything shuts down, no drivers on the road, mm-hmm. and you only see that index fall typically forty percent or so from ten thousand to around six thousand. So think about the, the difference there. You, yeah. We drop four thousand. Oh, that's on Christmas Day. On, at Christmas Day, the worst. Christmas Day, nothing's nobody's moving, on right? the road, yeah. right? Forty yeah. percent drop. Now we've seen a thirty percent jump uh, from our normal ten thousand level in the last two weeks. I mean, it's just it's absolutely no, we're, bonkers. We're basically closing. Have we surpassed thirteen thousand? Uh, I think we will I, tomorrow. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah so that's it's an amazing I mean, We're 16% move. over the 2018 peak, and 2018 was a record year for freight. Yeah. So oh, we're just, well above it. It's just crazy. Yeah. So so three months? Did we, did we we did, Yeah, that? it's at 40. Yeah. So we're, we're 40. expecting now, I'm hoping, well, I mean, this is all going to be dependent on so many different moving factors, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be uh, how long the quarantines last. How long is it before we have a, a mass-produced cure, not even cure, but a remedy? If we get a vaccine by that point, which we likely won't in three months, we're looking at the end of fall or winter before mm-hmm. that hits. So we could still be in we could still be in this very similar environment three months from now where we have most people still working from home, most restaurants and retail businesses shut down. We may not have anything different in three months. We don't know. We might not. We, we might not. There's so I, much uncertainty. I, I don't know how much of this is like restocking from hoarding and panic buying and how much the, the essentials will come down to a more uh, a level that's in line with consumption, like, like right. typical everyday consumption. Correct. Because usually people don't have to have 500 square feet of toilet paper, right? Yeah. I mean, Anthony and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. He was like, how long can this jump in, in volumes last? And I was like, there's no way it can because the fundamentals of the American consumer haven't changed. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not we get a stimulus, we don't have any more money now than we did three weeks ago. Why should we be buying 30% more? Why, why are 30% more goods moving? So this buying that we've, we've forced up the demand, mm-hmm. we've, we've cleared off the shelves, we've cleared off the DCs, and now we're restocking the DCs in the shelves. Yeah. That uh, I, I think we're going to see volumes fall off a cliff. I mean, how many cans of baked beans can you eat in a day? I can't eat more than one. I know. <laughs> so. Cans, Clorox, Clorox wipes, hand sanitizer. It's about the only thing that I think will get consumed a lot more. Yeah, um, going forward. I like that, speaking of that. I, I like that Costco. Costco is not allowing any returns of hand sanitizer or toilet yes. paper, anything that all these, uh, you know, 
bad consumers went out and hoarded yeah. for themselves. They're not taking any any refunds on those, which is good. Yeah. They shouldn't. I saw uh, someone with a whole shopping cart full of eggs. There's a picture. Full right? of eggs? I, I didn't see it in an actual store. Like like cartons of, of dozens of eggs. Of eggs, yeah. Like, like 40 of them. I mean, wow. What? Yeah, I mean they they don't go bad very quickly. So I mean you can use those. A lot of people do. I mean I know I know people that eat twelve eggs a day. So that one, True. toilet paper. Nobody's going to use forty rolls of toilet paper True. in a week. So I, that one, eggs I can almost see. But every time I've gone to Walmart and I've gone like four times over the last week, no eggs. I know. That's why I was talking to Anthony about it the other day. That this this panic buying that begun with toilet paper and and hand sanitizer and wipes has now gone to rice, pasta, beans eggs, dairy. I mean, yeah. I go and everything's wiped out. It's not just toilet paper. So, I mean, yeah. this this buying is absolutely it's bonkers. And I do want to apologize to George for missing toilet paper. But what is it? It had to be. Uh, okay. Yeah. And I apologize to everyone that we weren't able to get Peter on. I apologize to Peter for not being on with us. We'll, we'll get him on next week. We'll, we'll talk that out. Uh, you want to wrap it up with our with our long shorts? Well, let's wrap it up. Okay. Well, okay. I have a little bit of a twist to this first long short. And this, I haven't even looked at them, so well, I'm, I'm really you, you interested to. To, to, to hearing these. This is more of a, which are you longer rather than being long short. So okay. it's, it's uh, and which are you longer, an actual enforced national lockdown or an encouragement to go back to work. We'll put the time period out for two weeks. In the next two weeks, do you think we're more likely to have a national lockdown enforced or we're going to have uh, our, our administration telling us to go back to work? Uh, that's a really, that, that's a, a tough one. Uh, that really is. You want to start? No, no, I, I'll, I'll go ahead. Uh, I, I, think, I think we're going to see a prolonged uh, shutdown rather than the administration. And then the administration might say, I don't know, but... I think we we're going to see that just because, you know, we've been looking at this ever since early January, whenever it popped up in, in Asia and Huan, because basically it, it affected freight flows and it, it has affected freight flows for the entirety of, of 2020, uh, not not necessarily pandemic or epidemic um, since early in the early days. But we've been kind of we've been tracking this for three months now. So I, I think just by the very nature of it, uh, we're, we're going to see a prolonged shutdown. Yeah, I wanted to uh, jump on our uh, our first. We did a coronavirus. Our first coronavirus update came on. We talked about it January twenty seventh. Okay. Uh, so that would have been you know we we have been on this for nearly three months now, and we've been talking about it for two weeks before that. So yes, I agree with you. Uh, I will play devil's advocate here because of the the kind of the words and the, the tweets that are coming out of the out of the White House right now that I do think the administration is going to push American businesses and American universities even to try to, to, to open back up. Please do not go back to work. <laughs> That's my only hope is that, you know, just if you're able to work from home, please work from home. Yeah, definitely. If you can work from home, work from home. I, it's, it's, it's really rough on a lot of people to, yeah. to this is all going to be very rough on all of us. Um, but, but I, you know, I don't see myself going to a baseball game anytime soon. No, or, or, or getting on a plane and, and you know, going no. to it. And so, yeah, no. uh, I, I agree. I, I do think probably the national lockdown or, or extended lockdowns will be uh, more likely. But I, don't be surprised when we see that uh, the administration pushing us to get back to work. Uh, and then... Number two, uh, this we already kind of discussed this, but I think I know your answer. Uh, well, so we'll, we'll jump it up. Actually, I was going to ask you long short two million weekly jobless claims come Thursday. How about we'll jump it up and make it a little bit more exciting? Long short, 
Three million weekly jobless claims come Thursday. You know what? Let's do two and a half because okay, three million is a little bit. I I, I don't know if I can I, if I can go three million the, above the, the three million. And you is is not allowing it. I, it's, it's not allowing it. But two and a half is a very uh, kind of a bookie line, really good point spread yeah. type of, uh, of bet. So at two point five million, I will go. You know, I'm going to go long. Okay. I'm going to go slightly under that. I'm going to yep. go short, just not because that there's not actually 2.5 million people that are that have been let go of their jobs or, or, or will be let go of their jobs in the next couple of weeks, just simply because I think, Anthony, I spoke about this, that the, the difficulty some people are going to have actually applying for I was unemployment, about to say, yeah. that there is some red tape around it, well, and it's not exactly the easiest thing to get. So I think that some people will have difficulty and just kind of give up and just hope for that stimulus package. So, so I was talking to Brian Strait, who's uh, one of our managing editors, and he lives in Connecticut. And we were talking about uh, the claims in Connecticut, New York last week, right? So, so national average or the, the national four-week average jumped uh, 33%. In Connecticut, it was eight times. And they were having a lot of issues processing that. And then, so it went from 1,000 to 8,000. Uh, if this is really going to be th- over three times or th- 3.5 times what it was at the height of the Great Recession, uh, I, I don't know how they, how they actually process it. So I think the, the, the officials, it might not be more than a million. Yeah, it and, it, and if it is, it's probably due to the fact that they just can't, they don't have time or the manpower to, uh, to, to process claims. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna. It, it, I think we're gonna be reminded of that original, um, the genesis rollout of the Affordable Care Act, where we saw just millions of people flooding the healthcare.gov website and it shutting down and it not having the ability to process the traffic. I think we're gonna see something similar, uh, something reminiscent of that with, with with these jobless claims. Yeah, this is. This is I think we're just, you know, the government's not gonna be able to to handle all of them. So, uh, but. That being said, over the course of the next few weeks, we will see that 2.5 million. I would, I would bet yeah. my house on it. Uh, unemployment rate is going to, I mean, at least be well, a double. Next digits. week, one of our long shorts is going to have to be April's unemployment number because that's going to be reported out um, next Friday, not this Friday, but next Friday. Right. So, so, so basically, we're going to have to. Uh, to do a long short on that. And yeah, I feel like we're going to be talking a lot about unemployment, especially in the freight industry for the next couple months. Yeah. Um, you know, we're already seeing layoffs. It's going to get ugly. Yeah. You know, this is, again, this is happening at the same time where the, the underlying, the fundamentals mm-hmm. of the freight industry weren't great. And, you know, it, it hasn't been nearly as ugly as a lot of un- other sectors, right? Not as ugly as the airline sector, uh, auto manufacturing, uh, all the, the restaurants and bars and salons on every... Market Street mm-hmm. across yeah, the, on, the, on the every country. main street across the country, uh, yeah. across the country. So uh, it's, it's good that that trans. It is good that transportation isn't taking quite the brunt of it, at least not yet. Yeah. So. Not but yet. Anyway. We'll, you know, we'll we'll continue to to keep everybody updated on the situation. We'll uh, we'll be talking weekly. But yeah, very that's good. That's the end of uh, episode twenty-one. Good yeah. stuff. Well, let's wrap it up. All right. right there. Well, very good. Thank you for uh, joining us, and we'll be back next Tuesday here live at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, and um, have a great week. <laughs>